0: When I turn my mic on. There we go. When I turn my mic on. There we go. Well, good morning. It is great to be here again. It's always such an honor to uh, be in this pulpit. And I you, you know the church is near and dear to me. I was uh, well, all but spiritually raised in this church and my parents started attending here when I was 14 years old and so it's always it's always an honor for me to be back. Uh, I teased Wes about this after service, but hey, Wes, I think you left your desk up here. This is, where's Wes? It has his name on it, so I just, <laughs> this is yours, don't forget. Okay, all right, Wanted to make sure. Unless it's uh, Sim, Unless it, there's, is there a Sim in the house? No, all right. Way to start off with a bad joke. Okay, that's great for the Holy Spirit to work. Excellent. <laughs> Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he has already, whether you woke up this morning and thought about it, whether it has crossed your mind or whether it has not. You may, have, you may have thought that you're the one that put the pedal to the metal and made your way out to here, out to this place on your own. And, and sure, you did. You caught a ride with someone or, or you made your way this morning and thought it was a good day to go to church. But behind the scenes, God is doing something in your life. And you're not here by any happenstance or some crazy circumstance, but you're here because God has allowed you to be here this morning. And any time that you can be in a church hearing God's word for me or anyone else or in your room reading the Bible, that is a great opportunity to hear from God. He is always trying to speak to his children to communicate the message of his love to you and through you to change the world. Amen. But in order to accomplish all that God has for us in our lives, There is one small truth that we need to be sure that we, as believers, really, really, really understand. Bad attitudes stink. Bad attitudes stink. You might ask yourself, is a bad attitude really that bad? I mean, why would you title a message, Bad Attitudes Stink? Well, to help drive this point home just a little bit, let's take a look at at what the world of of science really says, scientific study. Emiliana Simon Thomas, Ph.D. Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center in UC Berkeley, said this, many negative emotions, such as fear, anger, frustration, they become problematic when those emotions turn into a more permanent disposition or a habitual outlook on the world. In other words, when you start seeing the glasses half empty all the time, that's bad news, okay? A 2014 study published in the journal Neurology linked high levels of cynicism, which is defined as the general distrust of people and their motives, to a greater risk of dementia opposed to those who are more trusting. This study even accounted for other factors such as age, health habits like smoking and so forth, uh, as well as other habits. And they still drew the conclusion that cynicism, a poor disposition all the time, weighs heavily on your health. Now, please don't take this way out in right field, okay? As the son of a police officer, I can assure you there are shady characters out there and you shouldn't trust them. It's the way it is. So this statement is certainly not meant to stand against the grain of good, sound judgment. All right? It does mean, though, that when you walk with a permanent negative disposition, that your perception of life changes the way you think and scientifically has been proven to affect the way you feel. All right, let's look at at something else. A 2014 study published in the journal Stroke, Suggested that people who scored higher on measures of unfriendliness, along with those with chronic stress and depressive symptoms, had a higher risk of stroke than the friendlier, kinder participants. You know, bad leadership doesn't just stop with your, with your health. It affects others. In a working environment, it can be very, very toxic. It can even lead to bad leadership. In fact, Dobbs wrote in 2014 that bad leadership attitudes equate to toxic leaders. Toxic leadership includes elements of abusive supervision along with narcissism. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the next word because I forgot how to do so. Authoritarianism, self-promotion, and unpredictability. Research also shows that toxic leadership impacts organizations. Have you ever worked somewhere where the boss Never pointed out what you did well, but always pointed out what you did not do well. See, you can listen to the grumblings of the crowd, all right? Your neighbor's grumbling on the other side of the house over here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. These areas include physical and mental health employees, they're damaged with toxic leadership. Increased dysfunctional group behaviors, increased absenteeism and tardiness, reduced productivity and resignations. You quit, you transfer, you do something else because it just won't work for you. Toxic leaders have these characteristics they're unethical, bad behaviors, uh, self promotion over others, abusive, tyrannical supervision, downward hostility towards others. They engage in uh, destructive and demotivational behaviors. They are narcissistic, and they have these authoritative tendencies. So, let me ask the question again. Is a bad attitude really that bad? Yes. It is something that has to be taken very seriously. As a Christ follower, it is imperative that we remember to keep a bad attitude in check. A bad attitude ruins what God is trying to do through our lives. You may remember our, my last message. It was some months ago, so may, maybe you don't. But I brought my favorite pair of blue jeans to show you. And they had holes and tears in them. And we talked a little bit about the verse that we're going to dive into this morning. And it was related to James 1, verse 20. And we talked about laying apart things in our lives. But that was just part, only a small part, of what James was truly trying to communicate in this passage. If you have your Bibles, you can flip into James 1, 20, verses 20 through 25, or just look at the overhead here. I'm reading from the amplified version, starting with verse 20. For the, for the anger, and in parentheses I have there, the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is the standard of behavior that he requires from us. A wise pastor once told me, and he, 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 he told me that righteousness was more easily attainable than we had given it credit for in the past. God doesn't require something of you that is unattainable. God is not going to require something of you That is beyond your grasp with his help. Let me tell you how to be righteous. You make the right choice at the right time with the right attitude. Doesn't that take the pressure off? Just a little bit. And some of you are looking at me like, that's it? It's just according to God's word, you're trying to make the right choice. In the right moment when you need to make the right choice with the right attitude of service that says, I want to make this choice for the right reason, and that's to please the master. That's being righteous. That's what it is. That's the standard that he requires. And so, James goes on to write in verse 21, So get rid of all filthiness, in some versions it may say uncleanness in your Bible, and all that remains of wickedness, and with a humble spirit receive the word, of God, which is implanted, literally rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word. That means actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who just hear the word but never fully internalize its meaning. Deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning, contrary to the truth that you have learned. For if anyone only listens to the word, Without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener... But who for, but, but forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. We're going to look and concentrate, focus on what James is trying to communicate when he uses this word filthiness or uncleanness, uh, maybe in your Bible. But this English word filthiness is translated from the Greek word raperen. This Greek word describes filth that isn't just a little bit dirty. This isn't like you got a little bit of you know, mud on your shoe when you stepped out and got in a puddle on your way to church on Sunday morning. We're talking about obnoxiously filthy, like super crud, okay? Lot, a, lot, a lot of dirt. That's, that's, that's a picture of this. In fact, to help us all understand exactly what James is trying to communicate in James 1 verses 21 through 25, specifically in 22, let's look at James 2.2. 2. The man pictured in James 2, verse 2, is described in this very same way with the very same root word. He writes, For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a man in dirty clothes and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by by my footstool. James, in the early church, is beginning to address some serious issues in these passages. And in James 2, he is beginning to address how the early church members were treating different church members attenders. And he was showing the disparity. You're treating this guy this way. You're treating this guy a different way. Well, we know we shouldn't do that, right? Sure. But that's not really the focal point of what we're trying to communicate this morning. The same the same verbiage, the same words that are used to describe the poor man here in James 2.2 2.3 2, is the very same verbiage that he's using to describe a poor man attitude of a believer. Are you with me so far? It's the very it's the very same. James was describing two different categories of people. Those who were those who are nice in appearance, those who are dirty, he uses this, this Greek word to interch- interchangeably between James 1 and James 2. And so to help in the understanding of James one twenty one, the picture of James 2.2 by use of this word is one whose clothing is encrusted with filth, emitting a noticeable odor to everyone around. You know, nothing stinks worse Than leaving a bad attitude as your sin as a believer. Do you know why? Because it stands against the grain of what God is trying to do. This same word, rapid ran, is used in James 1:21 when he describes believers who have these bad attitudes. Now, let's lighten up for just a moment. How many of you enjoy cartoons? I'll be honest. There's a lot more in five or six. Oh, the whole house should be doing this, okay? Come on. Don't make me the only one. I see your hands. Thank you. You know what? Some of my favorite, my favorite cartoons, even to this day, are the Looney Tunes. I mean, Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, just will leave. Foghorn Leghorn will send me rolling across the house, Okay. But there was one character in particular that I always enjoyed. I try to watch it if it's on Cartoon Network. I'll have my kids, you know, they, I try to convince them that they need to watch it so I can feel better about watching as a parent. So I'm kind of impressing my childhood upon trying to live through them again, you know. But there was one character who really smelled. Do you remember his name? Pepe, Pepe Le Pew, that's right. Pepe Le there he is right there in all of his smelly glory. Look at him with the wilted flower in his hand. Pepe was always chasing this cat, okay? He had the hots for this feline. That's what was going on. And he's chasing this, and if you remember, he would try to catch her, and he would squeeze her and hold her and say, oh, baby, mosheri, and he would try to kiss this cat, you know? And this cat the whole time was going, Meow, you know, giving him the claws, because why? Because he stinks. He smells, man. Are you kidding me? He's a skunk. You crazy thing. But he's French, so he has a way with the felines, right? So he's trying to so he's trying to date this this cat and often he would race to get her. And when he would race, he would he would go flying through the streets of Paris. And you would see all these cartoon French characters pointing at him and saying, run, le pew, le la whatever, you know. And they would hold their noses and they would grab something in this cartoon. Very often they would grab something like this. You should have been handed something like this, at least some of you possibly, if there were enough left, these little clothespins. And, And you would see these characters take this clothespin. I wouldn't try this at home, okay. And then they would stick it on their nose to give the illustration that that scent was lingering and it was powerful and it would fall over and turn green. I mean, it was pathetic. And they would use these to try to stop the scent from going up their nostrils. I want you to remember the things we're talking about today and take this home with you to remember that bad attitudes from believers really do stink. They ran from him because of his scent. And while that's a silly illustration, that is what other people will do To Christians, when they see you coming, when they see us coming, when we're supposed to be a child of light, but all we do is walk around with a cloud of darkness over our heads. Nobody wants to be around that. In other words, when a believer is pessimistic, downbeat, negative, uncooperative, gloomy, cynical, and so forth, Man, whoo, that stinks. Do me a favor. Do Pastor Chris a favor. Do the leadership a favor. Do the church a favor. Do God a favor. If you you go to Walmart or you go to Meacham's over here and get something to eat and you have a bad attitude, don't tell me you go to Highland Assembly. Tell me you go to the Baptist church across the street. I'm totally joking. But just think about it, but no, don't don't really do that. But in, in all seriousness, not You're better off if you're gonna walk in doom and gloom, and the world's about to shatter, and the clouds, the sky is falling, and, and they ask you a question, and you're uh, and you're and you're being laissez faire about your answers, and and you don't tip a man, you know, when he's bringing your food to your table. Listen, don't tell him you're from here. You're doing more harm than good. Now, I'm not the pastor here, so I can get away with saying some of these things to you. So I'm kind of giving you a little bit of the this morning, because I had to step on my own toes, too. Before a pastor preaches a message, guess what he gets to do? He gets to live it all, way before he can communicate it, okay? So while some of this stuff may sound like, oh, man, gosh, are we really that bad? Hey, listen, no. It's just that it can come, it can, medicine tastes bad, but it's always good for you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, nothing stinks worse than a bad attitude of a grumpy and pessimistic believer. Nothing. This is why James admonishes believers to put aside this filthiness, these attitudes. So James 1.21 could read this way. Check this out. In light of what I have told you, it's time for you to remove these stinking, foul-smelling, putrid, rank attitudes. What are we accomplishing, you and I, if we accept Christ's forgiveness and then consciously choose to have bad attitudes? I will say this. It takes daily determination to stay free from these old encumbrances. You have to choose the right decision. You know, if, it, if my world were like my daughter's nine times out of ten, she wakes up with rainbows and unicorn in her mind. I mean, she, you know, she's having a party all day long. But life really isn't like that all the time, is it, if we're just being real about it? Life gets tough. Life gets hard. And sometimes there are fewer things to smile about. But, guys, on your worst day, God is still on the throne. On your worst day. You are still a child of God. On your worst day, you have it better than anyone living in a third world country for the majority. On your worst day, you live in a free country. You've been saved, possibly healed, delivered from sin. You've got heaven on your mind, okay? And that's far better, and that should outweigh anything else that you could be going through in your present circumstance. But when it's in your face, it's hard to see past it. Therefore, you must choose. Make the conscious choice to stay free of these old encumbrances. Choose the right decision with God's help. You can break free of old feelings. You can break free of old thoughts. You can break free of old habits. All of it. And here is, this is a big, big deal. A huge reason why you need to release bad attitudes. Choose to focus on Christ when things get tough and live in that. Because bad attitudes, they lead us to spiritual apathy if you've been saved for a while, maybe you've committed your life to the Lord, maybe you've been attending church, but even as we're kind of talking this morning, maybe you're just thinking to yourself, gee, I, you know, I might be me a little bit. And if you've ever wondered, why haven't I grown in Christ? Why, why isn't God doing this? Why, you know, why, why don't I see God alive? Why isn't he speaking to me? Man, he can't get through this, this pessimistic force field that you have over you you got to loosen up. You've got to let God in. You've got to release what you need to release and accept what he has for your life. James 1.22, so get rid of all uncleanliness, filthiness, all that remains of wickedness. And with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted, able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely listeners, deluding yourselves. James one twenty two. The word hearers, let's think about that for just a second. This was taken from the Greek word akaratos. This describes the type of hearers that were likened to people who audited a class rather than taking it for credit. Okay? So, what's the difference between a class that is for credit and a class that is only being audited? In my experience, a class that was taken for credit would credit you towards something. So then, if two people are in a college class and one is applying that class towards their degree, the tuition generally is going to be more. And generally, that individual is going to pay a lot more attention. They have assignments that are due. They take it seriously because they know, they realize, I'm in this class, I'm paying some money for it, but I'm in this class for a reason. And I want to receive what the instructor has. I want to better myself. I'm trying to apply this towards a a degree. They They have something in the distance that they are trying to move towards. The audited student maybe is there just strictly, to audit the class. That means they are, they are there to, to listen. They, they want to gain information. But generally, the cost is a little bit less. There's nothing wrong with auditing a class, auditing a class at all. Many students do it. But, but generally, between the two, the one that's all in trying to, trying to focus towards a degree has a different understanding of their requirements and there's a different level of Of expectation upon that student than there is the one that is simply there to audit the course. Are you with me? So, James is describing a person who's not the hearer, okay? The hearer. James is describing the person, a hearer, who didn't attend, we're gonna call them church services, these gatherings, the early church gatherings. They were not attending these classes, quote unquote for the purposes of credit. Are you with me? He's talking to the people that didn't consider what they were hearing as significant. So in other words, the hearer that James is talking about here, <laughs> here, there's no seeming intent for aptitude or alacrity. There's no desire to comprehend to put into action the people described here, they wanted to hear the lecturer, they wanted to think about it, they wanted to discuss it with friends, but they didn't care to apply it. They didn't want to apply it. It wasn't even on their mind. James knew this, and that's why he's addressing the church in this way. The lectures of this time could be very stimulating, very entertaining, a lot of fun to attend. So these, these hearers that James is talking to here, these hearers would roam from meeting to meeting. Because they love, love, loved special speakers. They love the excitement of hearing something that they hadn't heard before. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No way. I love to learn. I love to hear. I love to to hear a speaker. I I, I love to learn something new and then talk about it. So that, that in and of itself is not a problem. It's the intent of the hearer's hearts that James is addressing because there's no intent to apply what it is that they are learning, that they're hearing. Do you know that these hearers that James is addressing would follow these speakers that they really enjoyed from city to city? And although the hearers had no intention for application, they really enjoyed gathering information to talk about it among each other because they thought it might make them sound intelligent. Uh, They enjoyed a good laugh, a good conversation. They loved having a good time. You and I can very easily be a hearer and not even realize it. Some of these hearers that he's addressing probably were quite innocent. They wanted to hear something new, so, oh, yeah, it's great. Let's talk about it. It's cool. But then they never break out of the circle. They never shared it with anyone. Gospel means good news. It's not meant for you to keep it to yourself. It's not a secret. Man, this is stuff that gets shared to the world. You know, when I was a kid, in this church, a friend of mine and I, and as well as probably 10 or 12 kids in the, in the youth group at the time, we, we went out to Cherokee Village or somewhere, and I don't even know why we were out there, but we were talking to people and just, and just inviting them to church. Okay, The people we, I think we invited like 20 or 25, I think a family of two came. They came, they started hearing the pastor, they got connected with the youth pastor, they, they felt the love and the warmth of this church, and you know what happened? They got saved. That's what happened. They got committed. That's what happened. They committed their lives to Jesus. That's what happened. And it wasn't because I wasn't even in the ministry. I was some dumb kid, you know, just trying to goofing my way through life. I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on. I just got saved. And then I just was too ignorant, I guess, to know to keep it to myself. So we went out and we just said, hey, you guys wanna to go to church? And they said yes. And it changed their lives forever. You can't keep it a secret. The good news that you get this morning, it will come back to you if it's deep in your heart. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, whatever is in your heart is going to come out of the mouth. So if it's deeply rooted, I mean if it's deep in your heart, I mean deep in your heart, and you care about this stuff, then you won't be able to stop it. You're going to be talking to people. You'll be at the Walmart checkout line. And she's going to be having a bum day. And she's going to say something. And the Holy Spirit's going to quicken your mind. Something's going to come up right here in your brilliant noggin. And it's going to be something like this. Gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you. We talked about this in church. Why don't you come with me this Sunday? And you know what might happen? They might come to church. And they might. Get saved. What would it look like if you went home and you began to think about the people and pray and offer this to the Lord and say, God, give me one person that will come with me. Give me one person that will say yes. What would it be like if that one person actually came? You double the church. You double the church. Like that. Happened just like that. These are the points that James is trying to communicate. He's saying, don't hear. Don't just hear. That's just part of it. Hear and make it actionable. Just share it. Please don't walk out there with you know big signs and beat people over the head with it. That's going to stand against the grain. Don't take a bad attitude outside. Just, just share it. Just share it. God will anoint it if you share it. You know, being a hearer, which I, I, think is spiritual apathy, and you can fall into it innocently, you, inadvertently. You don't even see it coming, and you can become spiritually apathetic—a hearer and not a doer—and give the Word of God the same attention that we give the television when we watch our favorite show. Hey, I, hey, I like a good show. Don't get me wrong. I love watching NCAA playoffs. I I mean, I can go down the line, you know, I like entertainment. However, we can't treat the Word of God like we're treating a television show. You know what it's like when you and your buddy watch a TV show and you get together the next day at work or something and you kind of talk about it, wasn't that so cool and everything else? All right. If that's the same way we're treating the Word, there is a... Yeah, problemo. But let me tell you something. It is good for us to look at the word of God together so that we can be challenged. The word of God is sharp. The Bible says it is itself a two-edged sword. It is meant for us to look upon it and to go, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. I probably need to change this. And that's okay. It doesn't make us... If you are like me and you have been spiritually apathetic before... I've been guilty of that. If you've had a bad attitude before and you've looked at the glass as half empty and instead of half full and you've allowed the joy of Jesus to be saturated with the doom and gloom of your world or your circumstance, I get it. I've been there too. You're not alone. But it's what you do when you realize where you're at that determines if you become a righteous child of God or one that acts as repellent towards the Holy Ghost. Are you with me here? The choice is yours. And I believe that this morning God has already been dealing with hearts like he's dealt with mine. That's what I believe. And I believe that many of you have an opportunity this morning to make it right. And if you make it right, then you will enter in to a chapter of life that is unprecedented one that chooses decision after decision time after time situation after situation to say i will choose i will choose to make the right choice at the right time with the right attitude i choose to believe in the joy of jesus more than my present circumstance God has called you to be the head and not the tail. He's called you to look at the ultimate silver lining in the cloud, and that's eternity with Christ rather than the dark gloom that may be very well in your life. When my father, it wasn't this time a year ago, May 29th, my, my father passed away. When we, when we knew he was in surgery and it was, going, uh, it was going bad, we received a call at an outlet mall in San Diego. We're looking for shoes for my daughter. And we left there, found a, 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 I think my wife price-lined me a ticket and and the kids a ticket, and we headed out immediately, as soon as we could. We knew that he had stage four, now listen to me, okay? We knew that he had stage four pancreatic cancer before he became conscious again. They kept him sedated for a while for certain reasons. But finally, dad came to you know, his eyes were dilated, you know, and his hair was sticking up. And so if you, know, if you knew my dad, you would know. He had a sense of humor with some of that. But you know, when he was aware of what was going on, these were the words. He began to look at each one of us when he recognized we were in the room. And he said, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you so much. And he began to apologize for, 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 for just crazy stuff. He would say, if I ever did anything, I want you to know. If I ever offended you guys anyway as your dad or as your father-in-law or as your husband, I'm sorry. I just want you to know I love you. I love you so much. He kept repeating it over and over. We would say, Dad, it's cool. But that was, that was out of the abundance of love that he had in his heart. And Do you know why that was there? This will explain it. This next thing he said. He said, you know what, Guys. This is bad news. He said, but I don't lose. This is a guy who woke up. He couldn't move his arms or legs because of the medication he was on. He could barely look around. He had a pump coming out of his stomach. He had a bed sore the size of my fist on his backside. I mean, Catherine, the whole thing. The whole thing. And I have stage four pancreatic cancer. So get your affairs in order. Okay? All of that. He's aware, and he says this, I don't lose. If I stay here, I'm with you. But if I die, oh, if I die. And he looked at the sky, and he shook his hands, and he said, I'm with Christ. I'm with Christ if I die. My friends, listen to my words this morning. You don't get there on your deathbed without making decisions today that say, I will choose to do what is right according to God's word. I will choose now. The words he said, that sentence is from the apostle Paul. Paul said those things. He said them because they were in here. You know what I want? You know what God wants? It's the same thing I think you want right now. That when that day comes to you, and it will, unless the rapture of the church happens first, we're gonna go. When that happens, will you be able to lie there and to say with your whole heart, full of joy in the Lord, after having received possibly the worst news of your life, I win. Praise the Lord. That happens When you choose to maintain a positive attitude given your circumstances, no matter what, when you choose to have joy in Christ every day over your circumstance, when you don't live in spiritual apathy but you allow God to use you for his purposes and say, okay, God, okay, God, I'll let you do this. I'll let you do it, Lord. Whatever it is you want to do, I'm in. I'm in 100%. I'm in. Maybe... You've fallen prey to bad attitudes. Maybe you are thinking of something right now that you need to let go in your life. Situations that you need to forgive people for. Things that you need to release so that God can come his way into your life. James 122 could be read this way: Don't be like those who attend meetings and listen to sermons for the sole purpose of being with the crowd or gathering information that makes them look smart in other people's eyes. Do you choose bad attitudes towards God or situations? What attitudes, what things are harboring right in here that could be offensive to God that are hindering you from moving on with the Lord? What do we need to do to drop those foul-smelling attitudes from our lives? Is there somebody we need to forgive, a situation that needs to be let go? Am I serious about the Word of God and its application to my life? Am I an auditor or am I here for credit? Do I believe God considers me a hearer or a doer? Be honest. Search your heart this morning. God knows it anyway. Let's close our eyes for just a moment. With every, every head bowed. This is just out of respect for your neighbor and for what the Holy Spirit is doing. I believe God is working on people's lives this morning. Please don't distract your neighbor or anything. Just close your eyes and close your head, or bow your head for just a second. Let me ask you a question. Would you this morning be completely honest with God and say, and just you can look at me or or, or raise your hand if this is you, we're going to pray in just a moment. If it's you, God sees the person at the altar, he sees you in your seat, okay, wherever you're at. If you have felt like during the sermon that you know what, God, I've been harboring unforgiveness towards somebody. I've been holding a situation over your head. I I, I walk around with a bad attitude, and it's holding me back. God, it's holding me back from being who I'm supposed to be in you. If that's you, why don't you just look at me real quick or just raise your hand, whichever you want to do. You know, and God's going to acknowledge you right here. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you for looking up here. Thank you for looking. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you is going to change your life this morning. If you mean it, God's going to change your life. You won't be the same after we pray. And maybe, maybe you're someone in here that you've thought to yourself, you know, I'm just not sharing what I know to be the truth like I should be. I'm just not sharing it like I should be. But I want to commit this morning. I want God to forgive me, and I want to be able to effectively communicate the things that I've learned because I know God requires more of me. If that's you in here this morning, would you just either slip a hand in the air or just look up at me, then you can look back down, that's fine. Yes, thank you for that hand. Thank you, thank you for your honesty. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I've seen you all. God sees you all. And he wants to change your life. Maybe you've never been into a church before today. Maybe You've been to church, and you've never really been serious. And after we've talked this morning, and God has stirred your heart, you're going, I really need to commit. I need to be serious. If that's you this morning, and you want to accept Christ, would you just just look up at me? Just look up at me. Raise your hand. There you go. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. God sees you. God sees you. Okay. We're gonna pray this prayer together. We'll be available at the front for more prayer in just a moment. But I don't wanna lose this attitude of prayer and what the Holy Spirit is doing in your lives. Again, we're gonna pray. I believe that in just a moment, just a moment, God's going to be able to help you let go of things in your past for those who raise your hand. Let go of bad attitudes. Choose righteousness. God's gonna be able to help you do that because you've already let go and God sees that. Next, and whenever we pray, God is going to begin to open, open up doors for you to share the gospel, you who believe you've been spiritually apathetic and have said, you know what, God, I want to I be used for more. And for those of you who are about to accept Christ into your heart, we're going to welcome you to the kingdom here in just a moment. And then we have prayer here in just a second. Repeat this after me. Just say, dear God, come on, say it out loud to me, church. Say, dear God, please forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you. I commit to you. Help my attitude. Help me to be open to all you would have me to say and do for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to explain something to you. Look up here at me for just a moment, please. We don't do some, this is not something that you do in a church all the time where you, where you chant something together off and on. If you've never been in the service or have never done it that way, it doesn't matter where you're located, where you're sitting at. All that matters is right here. Did I verbally commit something to the Lord? Do I believe that God has changed me? Do I believe what it is that I just committed to the Lord? Because that's a verbalized commitment. That's not the only way that it's done here at this church, but if this is your first time, I I would invite you back next service. And on Wednesday night, they've got some great things going, but Pastor Chris will be back next week uh, at services at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. Isn't God good? He's changed some serious lives this morning. Why don't we just thank the Lord together for what he's done? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No kidding. You're gonna walk out a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If you'd like continued prayer, we'll be here for you. Other than that, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for being here.